Welcome to The Breadwinners, the podcast about the never-ending hustle and its impact on all aspects of our lives. We're interested in what it takes to keep everything going. This podcast is about women, working, money, and family. We consider the research, talk to experts, and share our takes on what we're learning every day about breadwinning. I'm Jennifer Owens. I write about working, wellness, and women, and founded the Working Mother Research Institute. And most days, I'm joined by my co-host, Raquel Ellison. On this episode of The Breadwinners, I'm joined by Linda Perman, a crochet and craft designer, writer, editor, and teacher who I first met 15 years ago when we launched Adorn, truly a magazine before its time. Since then, Linda has written books. She served as an editor at Craftsy and Blueprint and generally has built her whole career on crafting editorial. And today she's on the other side, serving as yarn manager for One Big Happy Yarn Company, where she's building a store from scratch, working on everything from initial assortment planning and buying to content strategy and a Shopify build out. Oh, and she and her husband have two cutie patooties, ages two and five. So, you know, she's just a tad busy these days. So, you know, there you go. <laughs> so, welcome, Linda. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So, I often like to start with a stat. and. Um, I found this one from the Association for Creative Industries. It says it uh, puts the size of the U.S. craft industry in the U.S. at $44 billion in 2016, up from $30 billion in 2011. So I figure you're just living in a mansion built of yarn. And yeah. so, you know, the money is just <laughs> pouring in. Not through. sure how stable yarn is as a building. <laughs> There you go. Nicely material. <laughs> but I do have a lot of yarn in my house from, you know, picking out all of the things we're going to have in the store. That's interesting, <laughs> an interesting stat. I, I, I feel like the industry has grown. And it's interesting the years that are with those that data, because I think Craftsy kind of started around 2011, yeah. right? And then here we are. And it's whatever. Right. What year is it? 2021? <laughs> and like, it's, you know, the industry has oh gotten God. much bigger. But I've sort of seen, you know, it's interesting and, and to see. I couldn't find a better stat. Yeah. <laughs> you know, right. that, that like right. the stats need to catch up with it. Yeah. Yep. And uh, But it has been interesting, I think, watching and, and sort of seeing who's investing in that industry and trying to see sort of how to make that yeah. lucrative, right? Because it's largely an industry for women, yeah. but largely men run the companies. So it's just kind of an interesting place to be and also to think about oh, that. Oh, well, that's yeah. hashtag publishing. So, yeah. you know. <laughs> <laughs> Same. Well, I mean, so all kinds of stuff, happening? whether it's publishing or, or <laughs> you know, goods or video, it's all, it's interesting. And maybe it's just hashtag world. I don't know. <laughs> I hope it's not, but <laughs> it might be. <laughs> that too. Oh my God, that too. Well, so what's happening with the pandemic with knitting, crocheting, crafts as a whole? Like, you know, yeah. you, you see a lot of chatter about cooking. But is right. it happening? Is that happening too? Because I know I'm yeah. embroidering a lot, but I, I yeah. also, I love embroidery. So, I mean, I think that we are seeing lots and lots of people return to crafting. Um, I know when I was still at Blueprint, we were having our best days. Like people were really interested and that was really early pandemic times. You know, it's interesting because yeah. I think that I do kind of think it's like this myth of more time, right? Like we all have more time, but I think now that we're all about a year in, like, where's that more time actually? I'm not Yeah, sure no, that's a myth. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I do think that people are either returning to it or the people who did it anyway are doing more of it. We do. We are seeing, right, that there's a there's definitely an interest. And that's sort of part of why. Right. Like, let's let's go into yarn. I work for I'm, I'm a subsidiary of, of Missouri Star Quilt Company. So, you know, they've been around for about 12 or maybe more years um, and they decided to kind of branch out. Mm. 
at this time. And I think it's something they've been thinking about for a few years, but it, yeah, there's a market for sure. I think people are interested. And I think too, you know, people are still doing those things, but some of those local shops might not necessarily be open anymore. So there's also this move online to, to buy materials. If you yeah. don't want to go shopping in person or you don't have a place that's offering curbside, I think crafts are really interesting because yeah, they're run on a network of these smaller shops that are, you know, nationwide network of independently owned quilt shops and, and yarn shops. Right. And like, they all have different technology if they have technology. So it's interesting because it's, it's, a, it's old. Yeah. And people want that. They want that level of service. Right? right. And that's, we're kind of trying to provide that level of service, but you also have the convenience of if you're not in our zip code, we still, we can still serve you. Right. So that's kind of what we're going for. We well, can still give you that service. Yep. Like, so we have a good that is so mix true of content. That about, um, yeah. To, to assist, right? Like yeah, I can give you the yarn, that, um, but if you and, don't. And the functionality. Yeah. Right. Like if you don't know how to use the yarn, you're not going to buy more. So I want to show you how to use it, how to enjoy it, how to get unstuck. That's if right. you, you know, whatever, if you accidentally tie a knot in your embroidery thread, right? It all is not lost. There's a way to fix that. Right. So right. It's, it's helpful to have that, you know, as a, as the network of like women teaching women kind of disintegrated when we all went back to work, right? Skip some generations. Yeah. I think there's still room for all that information. And that's what people go to their local shops for is, is I dropped a stitch. Can, can you help me? <laughs> so we're just doing right. the kind of modern right. version of that. I don't know how to finish this quilt. Right. right. I don't, you know, always yeah. that's the or classic like, what thing. What fabric should as, I fix that as goes someone with who does these. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. And I don't think you that have to finish to enjoy it. I have it in my head. <laughs> just for the record, if you're happy, <laughs> even though you didn't finish it, that is fine with me. And I'm all for liberating yourself from projects that you don't want to do anymore. Like if you pick something up that you're like, why do I still have this? I, donate that. Someone will be thrilled to find it. But, but if you want to finish, I want to help you finish. So that, <laughs> yeah. that was, that's the one thing I remember from us working together was the finishing part of it. That's a classic right. thing that like, you because know, it's like the, done um, in your mind. Doing the edging so, on the quill. Right. Yeah. Who needs to finish that? I know what it's going to look like. I'll do that later. Let's start something new. It's always fun to start something new. <laughs> it's always fun. Yeah. Well, so so tell me how you got into this. This I think one of the things that's fascinating about your career is that like I skipped all over the place. Like I uh -huh. I wrote about brake pads and oil spools. I was an education reporter. I did that and this and that. And was all over the place. And I just uh -huh. love being vertical. And it's like uh -huh. you, your industry change and the like. So tell me, tell me all yeah. about it. I feel like I'm all over the place, but within an industry, if that makes sense. So I've, you know, I kind yeah. of, I started out, I mean, I started out in New York. I was a temp. I like got a job at Newsweek and I, you know, actually they wanted me to be a publicist for Newsweek and everyone's like, take the job, take the job. You're so young. It's a dream job. And I was like, it's a dream job, but it's not my dream job. Right. And I, my brother told me, I'll be proud of you if you don't take it. And I needed to hear it. And then a month later, I got hired at Soho Publishing. And I did not know that that existed, right? And actually, someone at work told me about the posting. And I didn't apply because I was like, no, I just turned down this promotion. I need to stay for two years, blah, 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 all the things that you hear, right? And then the next month, yep, it was posted yep, again, and yep. someone else told me. So I don't believe in once in a lifetime opportunities like that was my, I was like, this is my job. I got to go get it. And it was like yeah. just an eye opening that I didn't even know you could like write for a magazine. And they thought, oh, she has magazine experience. I was, you know, that's questionable, right? I worked yep. at a magazine um, and, and, and I thought, <laughs> okay, yeah, I do. I do. And I can write about crafts. And I was already crocheting like, you know, pre Etsy days, like I was making hats and stuff and selling them at craft fairs and that kind of thing. 
But that was sort of my realization that like this could be a job. And while I was there, right, I was living in New York and kind of burning out on New York. I'd been there for, you know, five or six years. Um, Met my husband. He was in Montana trying to figure out how to like circle all that up. And I thought, you know, I'm sending all this work to freelancers. Could I just be a freelancer and do that instead? Right. Like, do I have to live in Mm -hmm. New York? I could just live in the middle of nowhere and do this work. Right. So I so I did that for, you know, my friend hooked me up with a book agent. I wrote some books. I lived in Bozeman, Montana and did that for a while. Worked at a yarn shop. To keep, kind of keep my head above water, get out of the house, talk to people, that kind of thing. Someone had death that. Right. And I did that for a while. We moved back to Texas. like, And then, you know, I just had... What happened was actually Erin Sloniker, who we worked with, was the editor of my book that I wrote. And her roommate from college got started yeah. up with this with this startup called Simpose that then became Crafty. This so is she, why you always are yeah. good. You do good work and you are nice to people. Yeah. This is it right here. <laughs> and then I guess, you know, she said, who do you know who could teach crochet? And Aaron recommended me. And Aaron and I had never met before because she started after I left mm. Soho. But I went to TNNA and actually, so I got this email that was like, hey, do you want to come teach this class? So I guess, I guess what I'm saying is I got pulled along despite my best efforts. But anyway, she said, hey, do you yeah, want to yeah. come teach, teach this class? And I ignored it. And then I went to TNNA, which is the Needle, National Needle Arts Association, which is now gone. Yep. And I met Erin and she said, oh, I thought you were like an 85-year-old woman because you wrote crochet books. <laughs> like I had no idea. <laughs> you seem pretty cool. And I was like, oh, thanks. Strange. <laughs> and then and I said, you know, I got this email from this woman, Emily. And she said, oh, you don't have to. I don't really know what they're doing, but I recommend you just because I knew you. And and I, but that was enough for me to write her back. Right. And so yeah, I, I right. went and taught some crafty classes. I had no online education didn't really exist yet. I had no idea what that was going to be like. I actually like postponed the shoot for two months because I wanted to go work out with a trainer. Cause I was so like, Oh, I don't want to be on camera. Like all that, all those Hand nerves shooting yeah. all that d- detail art we used to do at Soho. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Exactly. All the so, photos. Yeah. yeah. And then again, like, and after I worked with them, I was like, Hey, I'm, I'm here. I can help you write copy. I can help you do this. I can, cause I thought this is such a cool opportunity. I'd love to work more with you. Yeah. And then, you know, they asked me, do you want to move to Denver? And I was like, no, do you want to move to Denver? No. And then finally they asked me, do I want to move to Denver at the same time that someone else we used to work with asked me if I wanted to apply for a position at Coates and Clark. And I thought, okay, the, the world's telling me to get a full-time job again. Like I have two good opportunities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's time to yeah, get back from my freelancing, which was fine. But we were like, you know, living in my grandma's house. Yep. Like it was fine, but it wasn't what I really wanted in the end. So I moved to Denver, worked at Crafty yeah. Blueprint. And, you know, and that's the thing. I mean, I tell my husband, who's a freelance artist all the time. It's not always, uh, I think I do good work, but it's not always about how good your work is. It's about being easy to work with, keeping up your connections, right? All that stuff. And now you know, I, I yeah. feel like being responsible, you know, that people yeah. can depend on you, Delivering. right? You know, exactly. that they feel yep. like that they get... Yeah, you deliver on what you promise, for sure. Yeah, like as an editor, I was like, your grandma's already died three times. I don't think I'm going to call you for another project. (laughs) Like, uh, you can only have two grandmas. Like, (laughs) this excuse has been had. So, and yeah, and and truly, I I, I mean, when I lost my job, they pretty much shut down Blueprint. I thought, oh my God, what am I going to do, right? But it was someone in my network that I worked with who said, hey, what are you up to? We're, We're doing this thing. Actually, I just kind of called her like, hey, I haven't talked to you in wow. so long. Let's chat. And then she went, I forgot you know yarn because I was working on quilting and sewing. Anyway, I didn't even answer your original question, which is right. like I hopped around. I worked on art. I worked no, no, on no, sewing. I worked it. on quilting. Yeah. Right? Like I hopped around in crafts. But I think what was really fun about working at Craftsy yeah. was that 
like that kept it fresh for me. I really like a job where there's an outcome. Mm -hmm. I can see that I did something and now something exists. It's like making, right? I like knowing, hey, that time was spent and then this thing exists. But I wasn't too married to like, no, I only, I only work on sewing. I only work on knitting. I was always open to trying the new project. And in that way, I got to figure out like, what, what is the same across disciplines? which I think just makes me a much more versatile, Mm -hmm. right? I can translate what I'm doing to whatever because I realized it's not about necessarily being an expert. That's who I'm hiring. I'm working with them to make their, you know, video class or whatever we're making the best it can be. They're the expert. I don't have to, I can trust them for that part. And I can work with them. You're the the editor, right? right, Exactly. Yeah. So, um, you know, and so I got to work on things like before I left, I was working on like a subscription box that we were, you know, I worked pretty closely with e-commerce before we left. And I kind of realized like, yeah, in the craft industry, people just want inspiration to be free or cheap, right? Like you can sell them product, but they have a harder time paying for inspiration. So if you can figure out a way to loop them together, because people like good inspiration and they will pay for content. Craftsy showed they will pay for content, but they have to already be dedicated, right? So that's, those are just things I was like right. bouncing around in my head for a long time. How can we kind of do both, right? One supports the other. Right. Then you get to do the stuff you love. You have to hawk yes. the product while you're at it. But if it's, you know, but that doesn't feel bad if it's stuff you're enthusiastic about and things that you believe in, right? So, um, yeah. Yeah. And so yeah. how how is it on uh, being on, essentially on the, re- like with retail forefront and the content mm-hmm in support of it because we're always content with like selling coming behind. Now you're flipping it. I mean, it's interesting because I think at at my previous role, we were always trying to marry the two, right? We were trying to sell a kit that went with the class and it was so hard starting with content first because someone would say, Oh, I love this darning needle more than that darning needle. Oh, it's really hard to stock that darning. Right. Like you have to make compromises all the time. And so I think, and we worked with different people all the time and, you know, that was great for all the variety, but it's hard to deal with when you're trying to have some basics and stuff. So what's interesting is like, I got to pick the assortment. So I get to pick, right. And I think I'm just, I'm starting with a much more direct into who I hire to do content, like explaining to them, like the goal of this content, yes, is to teach, of course, and have people be successful. Yeah. But we are a business too. And like, if, you know, I just think that business mm-hmm. affords you the opportunity to do this cool stuff. So if you're aware of that, that you can, you know, you can keep all that in mind, right? Like it's, it's like a marriage, right? <laughs> hey, cool. I don't have to get my yeah, oil yeah. changed, but I do have to pick your socks up off the table. Okay. I guess I can deal with that. Right. <laughs> it's kind of, a, that's a, best of both worlds. But I think with them being, wow. kind of- <laughs> this is from a, a breadwinning mom. That is the only a breadwinning mom would come up with that meta that comparison. Oh my God. Yes, I love it's it. Like, it love they it. can I think when they're integrated and they're on the same page, it can be done. But it's yeah. hard. It's almost like I think right. it was too hard. We were too big by the time we figured out that that's what we wanted to do. Right? Like it's easier to start with that knowing that, that in mind. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah. It's it's interesting and it's that's hard. Things. I and I uh, kudos to you. Yeah. <laughs> Kudos to you for thinking of that way because as an editor and I'm with you, uh-huh. content always comes first. You know, like right. it's ingrained in us. So yep. to be the bold step of content in service of the business in a in an authentic way that's gonna still serve right. people. Well, like kind of is where it started, cool. right? That's, it's like we I, I started on yeah. Joanne magazine and it was like we have these materials and we need you to make a magazine oh my to God. sell this stuff. So 
right? That uh, custom puppy. I'm, you forgot I'm not about gonna that. make you say it, but I'm gonna say it. All those things we made for the magazine we did for Hancock Fabrics, where uh-huh. the best Cutting fabric edge. was, uh, yeah. <laughs> Was mm-hmm. the upholstery fabric because it was yeah. the strongest. Yeah. And they were always mad at us for using the upholstery fabric to make like clothing because it was right. the best fabric they had. You like the oh print of God. it or yeah. Yeah. Yep. Talk yep. about and assortment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, and that's, and I think it's interesting, like yeah. looking back, it all makes sense. It's kind of amazing. All the, like I worked a couple retail yarn shops, right? Now I'm, we are building a retail store in Hamilton. So that experience is coming in handy, right? Yeah. And honestly, that was the best experience I had in customer research. Like I had this idea as a crochet designer really? of what I should design. Like, ooh, fantastical things that no yeah. one could come up with on their own, right? No. You want to make a cardigan and then you're right. going to like wearing okay. it and then you're going to make it again. That's a success. If I'm a pattern designer, yeah. my success is that you make my pattern. Not that you just buy it because I care, right? Like I want, I truly, I used to say I'm a crochet evangelist, yeah, yeah. right? Like I want people to love it and I want them to make it again. And I know me now, especially yeah. when I have a pattern I like, I just make it again and again. I don't need to find a new pattern. <laughs> I just need to enjoy. Yeah. That's my time to relax. Because right. I know so, it works. I know it looks lovely and I can right. make one for my aunt. And I can make one for my mom and, right. or my dad, you know, right. whatever and it is. If it takes yeah. me two years, it won't be out of style, right? Like it's, you know, it's, it's okay. Yep. And so I thought that was such a good, truly training of like what people are actually looking for and also what kind of people are shopping and what they're, you know, what they're wanting and understanding yeah. things like, Hey, you don't want to, most, most people don't want a super bulky sweater. That's, it's kind of like using home deck fabric for a skirt, right? It's like, but I didn't really know that till, because people would ask questions that I might not necessarily have as a designer, but I would have to answer right. their question and I would learn something from that. Right. Or they'd make yeah. a mistake that I wouldn't make anymore. And I go, Ooh, but if you did that intentionally, that could be a really cool twist on this pattern, right? So it's funny because I think sometimes things like retail, you think, oh, you know, that's for other people. But it was really informative. It was an education for sure. And it's coming in handy now. And it also kind of tells me like, hey, this yarn that we sold 10 years ago and probably still sell at that shop in San Antonio is still available. So this is a good one. I'm going to put this one in the shop, right? Versus like make some safe picks, some workhorse yarns that people can count on. Yeah, some trendy stuff in there too, but like ultimately... Yeah, it's immense. Yeah. 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 Well, and so here's one of the things that when I, like, I never wanted to work for a home and garden, like house and garden or Mm -hmm. house beautiful, because that was always my relaxing. I didn't Uh want to ever know how that sausage was made. Oh, yeah. Because I don't want to be stressed out. So I'd much rather deal with like workplace and working mother issues because I live that mentalized. Yeah. Yeah. So. So how, yeah, how does this impact your, like, any sort of free time and what right. you like to do? Well, that's what's interesting. So I think what's been good is that as I, like, bounced around different crafts, right, I learned them all and then I got interested in making them. But when I switched whatever I'm working on, like, I was working on quilting a lot before, right? And then, you know, I kind of do a little bit of everything. But I always feel like, like, when I started this job and it's a lot more yarn, I am doing a lot more yarn projects because I'm, like, crocheting stuff to put on social media and things like that. But if I get, if that's too yeah. much work, I just make a quilt, right? Like I'll just work on something else that's for me. Mm. I'll just go to a different craft. And at yeah. the beginning, actually, I felt all this pressure to be knitting all the time because, you know, we thought, oh, it's a knitting store. And I said, deal breaker. It's got to be a knit and crochet store. Like, I think there's lots of crocheters out there. And they're like, okay, you're right. We just weren't even thinking about it. And then I was like, you know, I'm just going to yeah. crochet because that's what I like to do. And then I'll knit sometimes. But, you know, I just started working on quilts when I started the thing so I could so that my brain would be like, this is not work. 
you know, to, to know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and that's kind of why I spend time every night making yep. stuff. People are like, oh, you spend, you clearly spend like, you know, probably a couple hours a day, every day or almost every day. I'm like, yeah, because I need to know yeah. that there was a time of the day that was mine. That's what it is for me. Um, <laughs> it's like two inches on that sweater. Well, and are your girls whatever. crafters? Are you, they're a little are you too doing small, crafting I with your, your girls? I think. Yeah. yeah. They love the idea of yep. crafts. But my husband's also an artist, and I think my yeah. oldest is a perfectionist. So I always am telling him, "Could you draw a little uh, yeah, yeah. Could you like? Because she just wants to watch him draw because he's really good. And I'm like, but yeah. I feel like it might be starting uh, to fall yeah, really yeah. high. <laughs> so, they do love it though. They they like to glue stuff together. We do koala crates. We do. I always joke. I just, you know whatever, like the mom in the neighborhood will sell the sugar cookie kit and I'll buy the sugar cookie kit and then do it with my kids. But I didn't have to bake it or buy, you know, make the icing because I don't have time. But I can right. still, I can hey, support another mom have our strengths, and be right? a good mom, right? <laughs> it's like, I'm happy yep. to give her yeah. my $25 and then we still get the same experience. It's great. There's no mess in my kitchen. For I'm sure. Done. So yeah, they do love it. And I feel I'm, that I'm way about like um, Thanksgiving. To. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I buy the meal. I, just, I buy I the order in Thanksgiving, you know, yeah. like, yeah. Same. <laughs> all of those meals. I don't feel That's the need all right. at all to do that stuff. And actually, really, yeah. every week we have, there's an awesome local meal service that we use. It's like a sous chef. So they'll make the gravies, they'll make that stuff, and then you yeah. do a little bit of the work. My husband does the cooking, and I finally found one we like, because I'm like, oh, we just yeah. can't be on that taco frozen pizza rotation forever. I just can't do it anymore. But now he has the confidence to cook I these know. things, because it's step by step. And that has been life changing. Yeah. The food is so good. Because, but I just can't, you know, I just can't, I can't plan the meals and do all that stuff. Oh my God. You are an editor. You are not freaking like some, you know, like back to the land. <laughs> no. You are allowed to have some convenience in your life, yeah. even as you make While your own quilt. Maximizing the efficiency. If I could pay someone to come wash the dishes, I would, because it would make my husband so happy. Oh, I know. <laughs> I'm just like. I know. Yeah, that but was my thing no, early on was no a grocery delivery, you know, yeah. like, you know, because I'm in Brooklyn and right. Fresh Direct started right when uh, baby number oh, yeah. one was born. And yeah, totally. Yeah. Please do. No, when, I don't want to. I don't have time. When the pandemic started, we did curbside pickup. We'd already been doing that for two years because once my husband had yeah. two kids, he was like, I'm not putting them both in the cart. I'm not doing it. And so Why? really yeah. not that much changed for us. <laughs> <We're up laughs> <at home. laughs> but I'm like, yeah, this is so convenient. It's great. You know, you still can run yeah. in if you need something, but it's way, way, way more convenient. So, <laughs> so I'm all for what's it. What's happening with the mom and pop stores or it as a whole? I mean, how, how are they doing with the pandemic? Is it, are they going to you know, be here when we come back? I think a lot of them will be. I think it's, you know, I, I don't know for sure. I kind of check in on the ones that I worked at and stuff yeah. like that. And they seem to be doing fine. I think it's just, I do think some mom and pop shops are old, you know, are owned by people who've been in the industry for a long time and don't necessarily have a website or anything. And I think that makes it challenging. Mm -hmm. If you can't get people into your store because of regulations, right? Yeah. If you can't open your store, then how do yep. you sell product? But it's been really interesting and kind of awesome to see like even the yarn companies, the vendors who sell the yarn to like really they're they don't really sell direct to consumer. They sell to shops who sell to consumer. They've been doing these dropship kits. So, yep. you know, if we wanted to, I could say, hey, there's this great kit 
and here it is. They give you the photos and everything you need so you can email your customers and then you place the order with the yarn shop, but you collect money, give them their half, and then they Ooh. send it out. They drop ship it. So they're really trying to help those stores stay in business. Oh. But it's like, if you don't have an email list, yeah. right? So, you know, and I think a lot of shops do. I just right. think, you know, I, I haven't heard too many sad stories about them closing. I just think that a lot of times those shops can start kind of as a hobby for people. And that it's, yeah. it's hard to make it an oh, actual yeah, yeah. profitable business, right? Sometimes it's like, oh, here's my stash and yeah. you can buy it from me. <laughs> Yeah. But there's some awesome yep. shops too. And I think, you know, some of the best yarn shops have online presences and then they they extend far beyond wherever they're locally based. And that happened even before the pandemic. Like there's mm-hmm. one here in Denver called Fancy Tiger. It's awesome. Right. Pearl Soho, you know, is awesome. And we used to be right down the street from Pearl yep. Soho. And I remember going to shop at Pearl Soho for stuff for the magazine, right? And it was just a little shop. And now it's amazing. You know, uh, they have just an amazing yeah. thing. Yeah. Well, how can okay. people find uh, your assortment? Yeah, so they can go to onebighappy.com. That's our, we're One Big Happy Yarn Co. So it's just onebighappy.com. And then we also have a YouTube channel where you can watch knit alongs and crochet alongs. I'm going to film a crochet along in about a week, but it'll take away, it'll, it'll take some editing time before it's up on the site. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're on, we're on all the places. We can all watch you do it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's pandemic. We got, we got a, it's been an interesting experience. I'm I'm willing to do anything, right? And I, I have a lot of the skills. So <laughs> when I have to, I'll figure it out. So <laughs> so yeah, we I'm going to film it. something next week, which was like quite spur of the moment, but I think it'll be fun and kind of remind me of where I started oh, out, right? Awesome. Doing my crochet stuff. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, find us online. Well, on thank you media. for joining us on The Breadwinners. We will... Yeah. We will put totally link to that by the time I have the link and we'll add it in and that'll be awesome. So thank yeah. you. Thanks. Yeah. It's so, so fun uh, to catch up with you. So save here. We just recorded for posterity. So yeah, <laughs> uh, you will find links to what we discussed in the episode description. Email us anytime at thebreadwinnerspodcast.com or visit us at the Breadwinners Podcast. Please remember to subscribe and to rate and review. It really helps us grow. And until next week, keep hustling. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.